Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be going through the practical steps for manifesting using the Akashics. Most people learn to manifest a bit like an athlete preparing for competition. They use their mind to envision exactly what needs to happen, what the end result should be, and what their life will be like after it's happened. They engage their willpower to keep those thoughts present and avoid any thoughts to the contrary, as well as wrangling their emotions away from doubt and into positive affirmations and assent, all of which swings the odds of success in their favor. It's not a guarantee, but it removes all the barriers which are within the control of the individual, whether athlete or manifester. Conscious effort and actions try to narrow down external negative factors and smooth the way for success. Then it's a matter of showing up and doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. If things don't work out, then it's back to the drawing board. In corporate terms, there's a need to do a post-mortem to see what went wrong and what can be done differently the next time to get the right results. Wash, rinse, repeat. This is a valid method of manifesting, and some people have a great deal of success with it. However, most people get very frustrated because its efficacy is spotty at best. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and often there doesn't seem to be any reason for it. They do everything right and still get no marginal or disastrous results. Often, the reason is because this model of manifesting is mechanical. It sees the external world, all other beings, all other involved parties as static objects or materials to be used or manipulated into compliance. It's as if the person were on a deserted island where they're the only conscious actor and everything is at their disposal. Reality is quite a bit more interconnected and interactive than that, and so manifestation needs not only to take into account everyone and everything involved with a project, but also the fact the project is entering into a symphony of manifestation already in progress. A more integrated approach to manifesting is what I like to call the surfing method. Like the athletic model, a person needs to decide what it is they wish to manifest, envision exactly what needs to happen, what the end result should be, and what their life will be like after it's happened. However, once they have clarity on these things, they need to move their awareness to the world around them. In order to surf, the surfer must first be near an ocean or surfable river system. If they aren't, then attempting to surf will be a waste of effort unless frustration and or comedy are their goal. One of the initial steps in manifesting is making sure you have access to the resources you need to get the job done. Then the weather needs to cooperate. If the waves are too flat, then you can be on the board, but it'll go nowhere without being paddled. If the waves are too large, then it could be dangerous or even deadly to attempt surfing them. If on a river, the water flow must be enough to create the right current and rapids so Trying to surf during a drought or a frozen winter would be contraindicated. The surfing model of manifesting requires we be aware not only of our desires and our efforts, but the world around us. 
This makes things both easier and more complicated, but improves the success rate of any given manifestation project exponentially. Once we are in the right place, have clarity in our thoughts and purpose, and the conditions are right for us to go ahead, then and only then does it make sense to exert ourselves spiritually, energetically, physically to manifest our project. When we do, like surfing, we will not only achieve our goals, but be supported and propelled by the world in a ride which is both delicious and exhilarating. And once we've arrived, we'll be ready to turn right around and start over again. The Akashics can be a key component for helping sort out not only what we really want and what would work best to achieve it, but all of the external factors involved so we can determine when and where is the best way to start manifesting. We can then use the Akashics to aid us in the physical manifestation, turning Akashic energy into the surfboard we use to get up on the waves. The first step is to get clarity on all the moving parts necessary to manifest your goal. This can be daunting if you don't know what all might be involved or if you know in detail and find it all overwhelming. In the Akashics, each person has their own personal room. For my students, this is the first room you enter when you're going into the Akashics for the weekly meditation. In the room, there will most always be a table. Usually, although not always, this table will be dining room size with chairs around it. This is the perfect space to work. To begin, enter into your personal room for the express purpose of working on your manifestation project as if it were a craft or art project. Each aspect of it, whether it be a new job, a new relationship, a move, a car, or a house, will be represented in some form on the table. When you arrive, like always, you should first take stock of the room in its entirety. The room is you and reflects who you are in the moment and things which are important for you to know, learn, and become. If you're working with the room quite a bit, it's good to just note what has changed, if anything. If you haven't spent time in your room before, take time to explore, as facets of it might enlighten you or inform the manifestation process. Then move to the table and inspect what is there. For some people, there will be a myriad of objects, for others, just a few, and still others might have none. This is not a judgment on the project or the person necessarily, but a starting point. For those where the manifestation project was set in motion last year or even years before, then there will be a lot to work with as many decisions have already been made and efforts have already moved things in that direction. Those with a few objects will find they are starting from a new, vulnerable, raw, and empowering place, where things are ready to begin, but there are also aspects to explore. And those with nothing on the table are faced with the need to inquire as to why, and the frustratingly marvelous gift of having to choose each aspect. When there are no right or wrong choices, no mandated direction to go, then each step along the way is a choice. The real challenge is not to let the blank canvas overwhelm you. The next step is to determine what all the symbols or pieces mean. Some may be obvious or already known to you. Others might be puzzling. Your personal guide or animal guide can tell you in detail 
what they mean, and why they are there. Personal guides and animal guides work on a speak-when-spoken-to rule in your room and take their cues from you. So if you don't expect them to talk, they won't. If you expect them to act like a mime, they will. And if you assume they will speak to you in fortune cookie riddles, they are more than willing to do so. However, none of this is necessary. Speak forthrightly with them, be respectful but clear. Speak forthrightly with them, be respectful but clear, and assume they will be as well. This then indicates, and even gives them permission, to do so in return. Once you know what you already have on the table, this is where the fun begins. More than likely, even with a plethora of items, you won't have everything you want or need. As you think of things you want but don't have, your personal guide or animal guide can bring them to the table, or you can invite the item to come join you, and they'll appear. If they aren't what you had imagined or quite what you want, ask your guide why. It may be because you simply weren't specific enough in your request, or it might be a clue to other factors which are influencing the situation. Keep going until you have everything there you wish to work with. Then, before you begin, make sure to ask your guide if there is anything external, weather conditions, ocean, river, which you haven't thought of but which needs to be accounted for. If there is, they'll bring it to the table. You may be surprised at what appears as often we're unaware of external factors influencing the situation. Or they may make suggestions about things you could consider adding or removing before you begin. Sometimes these suggestions are like peers making sure you've considered all the angles, and other times they're like the partner in a game trying to give you as many clues as possible to help you find the answer to the question. It's up to you to find it, but they're doing their best to give you every chance. So now you can begin. Somewhat like a puzzle, all the pieces will fit together. Unlike a puzzle, there is more than one way they fit. This is a major component of the manifestation. Like surfing, the pieces and the table are the ocean and the waves. It's up to you to surf them the best way possible to have the best ride possible. So you start moving pieces around. Many will make obvious sense how they fit together, and once connected, they somewhat lock to become one unit. Others might not. Sometimes, like with IKEA furniture, there's this one piece missing, or one piece too many. However, the more pieces which fit together, the more the items start forming one cohesive whole. It's like they start to come alive, glowing a bit brighter with each piece that fits into place. Finally, there will be a point at which you just know it's done. Some projects will even give you an audible click when the last piece fits into place. The entire thing will look and feel right to you even if it's not pretty or what you expected or think it should be. When it's done, this is your roadmap, your template for how to manifest the project. Within your room should be a place of honor, a coffee table or the mantle over the fireplace, where important objects are placed. Yours will more than likely be empty at the moment. Move your project there. The act of making it the focus of the room activates it, so this energy is now radiating into every area of your life and becomes a primary focus of your spiritual energy.
The second step to the manifestation process is to set up this project in the real world. Yes, I know, the whole point is that this is to manifest in the real world. However, to aid you in doing this, it's helpful to have the Akashic energy anchored, not only in you, but in your living space. You know, bringing it from your Akashic room to your living room. Like how having a statue of Buddha or Quan Yin brings the energy of these beings into your space, recreating your project brings the energy, your surfboard, into your home. There are as many ways you can do this as there are people or projects. If your project ended up looking like an actual puzzle, you can draw the puzzle or make a collage which matches the picture and then draw the puzzle lines on it. Hang it up prominently where it will infuse your space. This should be in a public area, not where you sleep, as you want it to become part of your physical life and not just infuse your dreams. If your project was a vignette designed from various items, then you can recreate the vignette as an altar with a beautiful cloth. You might want to light a candle in front of it each evening, or put fresh flowers by it, or add items to it to reflect progress. If a significant milestone gets met, this should be reflected on the altar with something symbolic, like a coin for money earned or debts paid. Let your intuition and the connection with the project be your guide in this. You may wish to simply draw a picture of the project and have it on the refrigerator where you can keep track of it. You can add to it throughout the process or adjust it as things change and become. As things progress, check in with your project in your room. You'll notice that it shifts and changes as things come into being in the real world, or as the situation changes. The project is responding in real time, so you might want to take it back to the table and inspect it, to get a better insight into how things have changed, and if there's anything further you need to do in the moment. These changes should be reflected in your physical representation as well, so make updates as necessary. The third step in the process is to carry something with you which embodies and supports the manifestation process. It can be exhausting constantly monitoring our thoughts, feelings, actions, and intentions to keep them on track so a manifestation project gets done. We're human beings interacting in a complex world, and we have more going on than just one project. To support us in this part of the process, it's helpful to carry something which we've infused with our manifestation project. There are many examples of this from mala beads in Buddhism, to misbaha in Islam, rosaries in Catholicism, worry beads from Greek culture, and so on. These beads carry our prayers, reminders of who we wish to be and how we wish to live, and help us to focus our thoughts and intentions during our daily round. A more contemporary version is the friendship bracelet. Children represent their relationship to one another through braiding it into a cord, which they then wear until the braid breaks. Various cultures use this method in ceremony, braiding cords or ropes together to infuse them with the intention and essence of the ceremony, then knotting them as a means of keeping the working active and present in their lives until the goal is achieved. On a side note, this is one reason why people in indigenous cultures will unbraid or unbind their hair during healing or ceremonial work. They need to be completely available and unencumbered for the working, but also not take any part of it away from the participants by binding it into themselves too intimately through their hair. 
you should choose whatever works best for you and your lifestyle. I tend to use thin cording or string in various shades, which represent the factors involved in the work. Then braid them together, infusing the strand with the energy of the manifestation project. I knot both ends with pretty beads just to make sure the ends are secure, then carry or wear the piece as a bracelet. This way, both I and it can be responsive to the moment, and yet I can focus on the day. However, it's just as efficacious to buy or create a bead strand specifically for this purpose. You can charge it up on or near your altar when you're at home, and carry it with you throughout the day. If you're guided to use something you already own, that's good too. Once you have all these things in place, you'll find the project moving forward and you being called to move forward with it. Sea and board, water and wave, you'll be on your way. The going might not be straightforward, but it will definitely be a positive move in the right direction. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking into how relationships can be less about relating and more about solutions for wounds we haven't healed or our need to be fixing people. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.